High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Good morning. I'm just trying to do a quick tweet and and welcome everybody to listen to a live stream of Tech Talk right here on High FM. And uh, guess what? The clock ticked and I'm now live on air. Well, welcome to another, in fact, our second show of 2018. I cannot believe that we're really there. I mean, before you know it, it'll be my last show. But anyway, let's not chase things. Things move quickly enough in tech as it is. So it's been Really quite an interesting week. Lots of strange things happening, certainly all sorts of interesting stuff happening on the political front. And uh, you'll be pleased to know which actually helps every techie out there. Though I must tell you, you can't hold your breath of prices coming down terribly soon. But the RAND has been really strong, and that absolutely helps tech, because tech is directly linked, or the price of tech today is directly linked to the value of the RAND probably quicker than pretty much any other thing that you'll buy. So good news for everybody. Our little gizmos and gadgets and um, Netflix and whatnot will become a little bit cheaper. And streaming was the big story of um, the holidays over over the holidays um, in South Africa. And it seems it's not just because people have got fiber in the homes, but the networks, the mobile networks have said that in all the holiday hotspots, the level of streaming of video was pretty off the charts. They, you know, people were using up their mobile data left, right and center. They were leaving nothing unused. And, um, it's, it's really kicked off in a huge, huge, huge way. And DSTV, which are the big daddy in, in, in video or sort of, TV entertainment um, in South Africa have long understood that their business model in many ways is something that is going to have to change really quickly over the next couple of years. And uh, the whole the whole environment is moving strongly towards an on-demand streaming type environment as we go forward, as internet access becomes you know more available, as the speeds increase, as fiber and fixed like the RAIN LTE networks become better and better. Um, the same goes for all the mobile networks. They're certainly not going to try to lose out on that. They give you high sort of usage you know, packages. And on telecom, you get those lit packages, which allow you to stream pretty much for free as part of your package. Obviously, fair use policies apply. But essentially, it is getting easier and easier to stream than it has ever been. And the good news is that MultiChoice now say that they've made all major DSTV package holders can get hold of or use their DSTV Now um, product, which is simply all the DSTV products available via streaming. There's an app for iOS and Android, or you can simply do it on your web browser from dstv.com forward slash now. What was really interesting this morning, I tried to go on just to make sure that my account still worked, and uh, their website seemed to be down, but it's back up right now. So if you want to learn how to stream or you just want to watch something that you've missed, go to dstvnow.com. Dot com. Log in with your, your username and password that you hopefully have for your DSTV package. And depending, well, it doesn't depend what package you're on now. Every package that you're on, um, you, uh, you can now stream a whole host of informa- of uh, entertainment, live, sport, you name it, can be now streamed to up to five devices, which is pretty cool. So you can watch when you're traveling. Interestingly enough, though, if you try to watch when you're out of the country, it does not work. Even if you're a valid South African subscriber, you go to America, you can't watch the latest rugby. They're very clever that way. And uh, the added little benefit, which I've mentioned before, is that Showmax is now part of DSTV Premium. So if you have a DSTV Premium package, you get a Showmax subscription at absolutely no cost. So if, for example, you don't have an Explorer um, decoder, you can actually use DSTV Now um, to watch a whole host of, of the, the Showmax. Or, in fact, you can simply link it on your account and watch Showmax via its apps or its browser or wherever else that you want to watch Showmax. But now, very, very interestingly, um, Netflix, which have been av- Netflix, which is the big daddy in streaming in the world, never mind in South Africa, has been available now for a good while, I think just over a year little bit over a year and um, the amount of 
content that has that's available for South African viewers has exponentially exploded. It started off at the at the launch with looking a little anemic. There were quite a few gaping holes for lots of good reasons. I mean, Netflix had actually licensed a whole host of their key products to DSTV. So if you had DSTV, you didn't miss out too much. But if you didn't have DSTV, it was a little bit of a hassle. But that situation in and of itself has definitely uh, got much better. The, I don't have the exact numbers, but certainly the the availability and the sheer quantity of product available on Netflix right now on the South African uh, Netflix store is pretty fine. I must admit there's not much that I, I seem to miss, and there's not a lot that seems to be not there anymore. So if you aren't a DSTV subscriber then Netflix is a great way to get lots and lots of popular shows. Now, Netflix have revealed its most popular shows for South Africa for 2017. And what was interesting, apart from this research but or this information, they've been doing research around the world, and they've found that people absolutely love binging. In other words, they, they start watching one of a series, and Netflix thing has always been that they post the entire series at the same time online um, and people absolutely love that so on 15th of October 2017 the most popular that was the most popular streaming day of 2017 and it also showed that one Netflix member watched Radio Rebel 191 times in 2017 I cannot imagine why anyone would watch the same program 191 times but good luck to that person now the most popular binge watch shows on Netflix is also quite um, interesting there's Ingobernable Ingonable, anyway I can't say that Greenleaf, American Vandal Sabura, Blood on Rome Annie with an E, watch that one and I binge watched that one, pretty good The Keepers, the OA, also watched that one pretty good the confession tapes cable girls and the last one was wet hot american summer 10 years later that sounds like quite a show and the most popular shows in south africa according to netflix is number one was the crown which is pretty uh, impressive and then number two was ask number three was big mouth number four was the ultimate Beastmaster. i've watched a few of those it's if you like watching people half kill themselves trying to you know, do an obstacle course. It's pretty well done. Disjointed. Neo Yokio. That's a new one to me. You, me, her. One day at a time. Glow, which I thought was great fun. And friends from college, which is not quite my demographic. But um, it's really interesting to see that streaming has become a really big deal pretty much across the globe. And uh, Netflix recent recently also released their figures to show that they are expanding really quickly and and most of the expansion is coming out of the international space so it was a bit of a gamble when they first went and uh, opened the taps globally but it seems to have paid off strongly and their growth is massive and um, their product is huge and they are going to be spending a ton of money on some really really uh, interesting product going forward so if you have a moderately good um Internet connection. There are a couple of ways that you can get Netflix, be either on your smart TV or through a little set-top box or through, you know, um, a, a laptop connected to a TV. There are lots of little ways that you can do it. You can even do it through a cell phone connected to a TV these days. So there are lots of ways to get into the streaming business if you aren't in it. And once you're there, pretty smart, easy to use, and the sheer quantity of entertainment is sometimes a little daunting. There's too many things. You don't know what to watch when and first, but um, stay tuned. I think the streaming environment, as I said right in the beginning, is definitely going to get bigger and better, and we're going to see more and more of it as we go a little bit forward. And I'll be back with some more news uh, straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Welcome back. And just some last little facts and figures I got from Netflix, which are pretty astonishing, is that they have over 117 million members in 190 countries, and they're all streaming more than 140 million hours of TV programs and films every single day. I mean, it's pretty insane. I mean, you cannot even begin to understand that in many ways, Netflix 
and streaming is the new normal. That's how people are getting the entertainment. They're not doing it pretty much uh, linearly or listening to, you know, watching broadcast channels that just, you know, you have to sit and wait for the 8 o'clock news and at 8.30 they start the programming. So things have changed tremendously and I think we're going to, as I said, we're going to see more and more of that. And another really interesting stat from our friends at Netflix According to their survey, 80% of those that stream say they would rather stream a good TV show than read a friend's social media posts. I don't know what that tells us about society, but I must agree. I think I'd rather watch a good TV show than than scroll through um, my social media posts, even though I tend to do both at the same time. So Netflix growing strongly, streaming growing strongly, and talking about social media and social networks, something really interesting um, happened this week in South Africa with Facebook. Now, there's always a lot of stuff going on with Facebook. Facebook are, without question, the big daddy social media with billions of users around the world. And I mean, if you're not on Facebook these days, pretty much you don't exist. But what Facebook have been doing in the U.S. and a couple of other territories recently is that they, well, fairly, you have been doing it for a while, is that they've been facilitating uh, a marketplace for people to swap and sell and get rid of their second-hand goods um, in, 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 in a social way. So they could say to their friends or whoever, I've got X, I want to get rid of it, I need, you know, I want 500 Rand for it. Anyone interested? Then you people go offline, they contact each other, and they do the swap. Well, they formalized it into something called Facebook's Marketplace, and it will be available in South Africa right, you know, as of now. So the update will come um, in the next couple of days, weeks, depending on when you update, depending where you are. And all of a sudden, you will see uh, an, an option to be able to share and um, sell stuff. So the marketplace was designed as a way for buyers and sellers to meet on Facebook. So you meet, um, it's currently, interestingly, according to Facebook, available in 47 countries. And right now, up to 550 million people use it, which is Astonishing, but considering the scale and the reach of um, of Facebook, that's not surprising. It's just a, a logical ex- extension. They're sort of taking on uh, the the local sort of swap sites, um, and in some ways, they've just got much, much, much greater much greater reach and they certainly will impact the classified services such as um, I've, I've gone completely blank. There's a there's a um, a very famous and very well-known South African one that does exactly that. But there are limitations on what you can sell. Um, You can't do drugs, obviously. You can't do tobacco products. Any unsafe supplements, so that one's a little difficult. How do you know what's unsafe? So no steroids. You can't do weapons, and you cannot do animals. And if you go to um, the Facebook page and you look at their policies, commerce, you can actually see what you can and can't do. So you just go to facebook.com forward slash policies forward slash commerce, and you'll see what you can do. But, um, you know, with any classified service, you have to take a few precautions when buying or selling secondhand. Facebook suggests buyers and sellers meet in a public place for a sale and that buyers inspect the items carefully before paying. I mean, that goes without saying whether you buy it on any platform or whatever. But what's interesting, unlike other platforms, there's no Facebook do not get involved in any payment platform. Unlike um, using, you can use a standard bank. Standard bank have got a, a little escrow type thing where you can put money on behalf of someone. When you get the goods, you, uh, standard bank, you inform standard bank, they release it. So there are ways to do it, but essentially, um, it's really, it's really quite important. The other thing that uh, I recommend you do is that you update your Facebook profile's privacy settings going forward, so that potential buyers aren't able to see more than you'd like them to. So if you put something up for sale, you don't want them to know everything about you, your dog, your cat, uh, where you live, where you play, etc. You can change your privacy settings to allow them only to see the product that you want to sell or vice versa. And uh, it's a great thing. The, the other South African platforms, Gumtree, I don't know why I got suddenly lost there, but Gumtree do a very similar job. There have been lots of reports of, of all sorts of nonsense on Gumtree, and I, you have to be very, very careful with all these type of things. But as I say, 
And as Facebook say, if you like something, it's from a social contact, that person's contacted to people you know, it's probably a lot safer in many ways because you've got a lot more information about the buyers and the sellers. And that is one of the huge benefits of social, by being able to know who. It's a friend of a friend or a direct friend of yours. It's just a great way of getting stuff sold and getting stuff going. So watch out for the tab appearing both on mobile and on your desktop on Facebook in the next couple of weeks. And if you've got anything to sell, you got you know you start cleaning out it's just december's come and gone a lot of us cleaned up made a pile of stuff that we'd really like to get rid of don't know where to drop it don't know what to do too much hassle to go and put it on ebay or one of the other platforms or um, want it all or whatever you know a lot of them make it easy to sell some of the stuff and um you just can pop it into Facebook a couple of photos later and you could probably get rid of a whole host of all the unwanted gizmos and gadgets. Well, I certainly have a couple. And um, staying with social networks, the other news that uh, happened in the last week or so is that WhatsApp have launched a service for businesses. And that's pretty cool. Now, WhatsApp, I mean, a lot of businesses have used WhatsApp, but it was never really designed for um for business per se, but they've launched a free app for, unfortunately, right now, only the Android operating system, which is aimed at helping small businesses connect with their customers. So whereas WhatsApp up to now has been a one-to-one, you could create groups and then it became a bit of a one-to-many, they've really done a little bit of work and I've downloaded it. It's really a useful app um, where you can actually set up a WhatsApp business account for your customers. Your customers can easily log on, easily see what's going on, um, and it's really got a couple of interesting uh, features that are specifically designed for businesses. So like you've got your picture in your profile, this you can create a special profile which in- contains useful information about the business, a contact email, physical address, website, etc. All the stuff that people would expect to get from a business. And they also allow for the creation of like bot type quick replies for frequency asked questions and greetings. So if you WhatsApp the business, hi, uh, I uh, I'm looking for some information, it'll automate and say, we're not available right now, or we'll come back to you uh, after five, or whatever it is, which is quite cool, and it's automated, or there's even a system whereby you can get some simple stuff, what hours are you open, and it'll automatically send you that sort of information, um, and businesses will be verified and identified as such on WhatsApp, so you've got to confirm once your phone number and your physical address links um, they, you become a verified business on WhatsApp. And I think it's actually an excellent idea. Standard Bank have got some, you know, the, the whole um, chat uh, commerce type environment in terms of getting hold of people, speaking to people, has just evolved so quickly um, over the last little while. And WhatsApp, you know, again, being the big daddy in the room, interestingly owned by Facebook, so I've sort of gone fairly logically from Facebook to WhatsApp, um, are offering this this platform. So if you're a small business or you know someone who's a small business, wants to communicate in a really effective manner with um, with their customers for customer service, for inquiries. So it depends what you do, you know. Uh, even doctors could use this, I think, quite effectively to schedule appointments, to follow up with certain people. Um, and I think it's an, it's an excellent platform. Apparently, according to uh, WhatsApp, 80% of small businesses in India and Brazil say that WhatsApp helps them to communicate with customers and grow their businesses, you know, right now. And it, it's launched pretty much in quite a few countries around the world, Indonesia, Italy, Mexico, United Kingdom, and the U.S., and they're going to keep rolling it out globally. Right now, I think it's a great thing for local. But if you're a tour operator or you're a, you know, there's just so many ways rather than give your personal number to someone to communicate with. It's just another option and it's quite a smart option at that. And on that note, I've been waved at. I think we've got to have a quick ad break and then I'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe. We don't have any interviews yet. I'm still going to have to build them all up. But I'm going to do Gadget of the Week and some trends from Deloitte's uh, for 2018 around tech and mobile. Some interesting stuff there. Straight after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And in lieu of Tech Talk Cafe, as I said, I'm going to be doing two things which I always enjoy doing um, this week. And 
possibly next week, though I think things are starting to hot up. People are all back from holiday. Lots of interesting people have things to tell us. And in the next month, uh, World Mobile Congress is coming up, end of February, where all the mobile guys are um, going to be gathering and sharing stuff. And interestingly, just before we even get into that, um, the only mobile manufacturer major mobile manufacturer of handsets that has confirmed they will be launching a brand new device at World Mobile Congress is Samsung with their Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus or X9 Large, or I don't know what they're going to call it, but the two Galaxy S9 models will be launched on the 25th of February in uh, Barcelona at World Mobile Congress. And the rumor is that they'll be on sale early March, pretty much, well, early to mid-March, pretty much across the world. So stay tuned for that. That should be super, super, super interesting. But New Year's, new resolutions, new uh, attempts to get thin, get fit, uh, you know, try to reverse some of the bad habits of the previous years. And one of the key things that most people get involved in, or rather start to do, is trying to track what it is that they do. So health trackers, over the last couple of years, really were a big deal. Everybody was talking about them. Wearables were going to be the next big thing. Apple Watch launched. Um, Google Watches launched. Fitbit. There were a whole bunch of different wearables that tracked your sports, tracked your activities, did all sorts of interesting things, heart rate, and gave you information about what you were on about. And the promise hasn't gone away, but the environment has changed considerably. Many, many of the pioneers in the field, the the, fit, uh, the pebbles, and a lot of other little guys have really pulled back like mad, either gone out of business, sold off to someone else. And in many ways, the wearable market has, has shrunk considerably and focused on some of the big ones. And Fitbit definitely is one of the bigger guys in the market. And they've been consistently churning out a whole bunch of really good quality, easy to use, um, smart wearables and they certainly do make a difference so there is direct correlation between the fact that you know you got to do 5,000 steps or 10,000 steps a day and uh, uh, some little thing on your wrist telling you that you've only done 3,000 you sort of tend to take the stairs you go for a little walk around the block you wander around the parking lot on the way to the car rather than the shortest route and you tend to get off the couch so there is definitely some positive motivation in having a wearable, and there's no question that if you, you can't measure it, you can't really improve. So if you are fitness-focused and you are looking for um, something to help take your training to the next level, or at least keep you on track so that you know what you're doing, a, smart, uh, a wearable definitely um, is something to consider. And they're available from lots of manufacturers at a whole host of different price levels. But the latest one that I've been playing with, and I've been, you know, I've had it now for about three weeks. It's going back soon, which is unfortunate, but that's just the way these things work, is the new Fitbit Ionic. Now, I've mentioned the Ionic on the show uh, a couple of times. It was launched in Berlin at IFA at um, the, that sort of main European tech show and I had a little play with it then and I spent a little time looking and you know speaking to the guys who who designed it and it is Fitbit's first smartwatch it is a fully fledged smartwatch and it came about Fitbit have been rumored to be working on this for many many years but they bought a company called Pebble Pebble made smartwatches very interesting smartwatches. They were the first that worked with both iOS and Android. They weren't specific to either. And they, yeah, amongst the tech crowd, they had a great following. But anyway, Pebble is no more. Their watches um, and their operating system was bought by Fitbit. And you can see that it helped spur on a fully-fledged watch from uh, from Fitbit called the Ionic. Now, the question I get asked right up front is, is it better than uh, an Apple Watch? Is it better than a Samsung Watch? Is it better than the LG uh, watches? And the simple answer is yes, no, maybe, but essentially it is a very fitness sports focused device, which is, I think, aimed very much at at fitness health fanatics and people that really want to track what they're doing with a smart device that does give them the ability to link it to your phone get all your notifications seek your missed calls you can't make calls on it and um, 
it has the ability of downloading a whole host of different apps through the Fitbit App Store. This is one of the little challenges that I've, you know, I've picked up. The Fitbit App Store is somewhat anemic. There may be 50, 60 apps there totally. So a whole lot of them perhaps not relevant to South Africa. Uh, and then again, I've tried to download the um, New York Times app and try to read stuff on there. And apart from getting a couple of snippets of headlines, it's very difficult to do on a small uh, watch screen. But essentially, the, the Ionic is a classic-looking watch with a very sharp, clean, um, modern design in aluminium. It's not particularly uh, pretty in my view, but it's very functional and really beautifully made. It's got all the sensors on the back. It's nicely chamfered and it's nicely curved. It's without question the best and most comfortable, the best fitting and the most comfortable Fitbit that I've worn. And it has the the fit is really important because what I found using a Fitbit, you go for a run and as you get hot and sweaty, um, the Fitbit moves, the heart rate monitor stops working or the one time it decided my heart rate was 230 and I thought you know um, is this right because if it's right I'm about to pop so it, this one is really good it's it's it looks like a normal watch it fits really well it's super light that's one of the benefits it is a lot lighter than any other smartwatch that I've tried and um, the benefit of that is you can sleep with it it doesn't hinder it doesn't hamper you in any which way and sleep tracking is quite a big part of what the Fitbit does, um, and when you when you're training and even hard running, swimming, it's waterproof to 50 meters, um, and it automatically, uh, you know, automatically detects the exercise. So you start the run, it automatically detects, it tracks it. It's got a built-in GPS, so you don't need to take your phone. It's got memory built-in. You can connect it to your Bluetooth. Um, Headset, you can download a whole host of songs, 300 odd, 350 depending on how big they are. So it's quite a comprehensive standalone unit, especially for someone who wants to use it for a, a myriad of different sports. And I've tried it swimming, I've tried it running, I've tried it at gym, and it works really, really, really well. Uh, one of the best, most accurate heart rate monitors that I've tried. There are others out there, but this one certainly is up there with all the rest, and it seems to work extremely extremely well the only real criticism i have is that it has a removable strap and there's a whole host of really cool looking sports straps leather straps and other straps that are available there are a couple that have even popped up at much lower cost from third-party suppliers right now but the current strap that comes with a unit is essentially identical to the fitbit charge 2 or even you know the basic charge um, strap it's a simple rubber band comes in multiple colors but it's not particularly attractive the clasp is 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 big and bulky and the way it attaches is a bit you know clunky so the strap really does let it down because right up front this device sells for around about 5400 rand in south africa which puts it into a range of garments suntos and a couple of other smartwatches um from Samsung and even from Apple that um, make it very competitive. And those guys seem to get the straps and the look and the feel. They look a little bit more classy, but what they don't do is they're not as activity-focused as this. So if activity is what what it's all about, if, some, if this is something that you really um, are concerned about or not, not concerned, if it's something that's important to you, um, this is a great, great Fitbit. It is without question the best one. The screen is excellent. It's Gorilla Glass 3, so it's very scratch resistant. Again, unlike the older Fitbit devices that I've used, I found that they chipped, scratched, marked very easily. I'm a bit rough on these things. And this one really has survived without an, a blemish. It's pretty impressive. The, the aluminium surround is hard. Um, I haven't managed to give it a scratch or a nick. And I, as I said, running, swimming, jumping, you name it, gymming. Not a problem. It's really done well. And the screen is nicely curved, very flush with the body. And with Gorilla Glass 3, pretty scratch resistant and very smooth and easy to operate. So it's touch sensitive. The colors are excellent. It's bright. Um, and that you can see easily in daylight. This is another thing. A lot of a lot of Fitbits, a lot of uh, activity trackers are very hard to see in, in direct sunlight. This one is really, really excellent. The software using the app is great um, it's standard Fitbit it just uses the standard Fitbit app but there's tons of information you can customize it any which way you please the setup is simple there's resting heart rate and sleep activity built in um, 
And as I said, it's it's really smart. It's updated my VO2 max. It shows you your fitness. It gives you a fitness score. It's just really, really, really smart. So in conclusion, the Fitbit Ionic is one of the best activity trackers. I've tried the Garmin's. They're also excellent. They've also got GPS. Um, they've got very similar functionality overall. Look a little bit more standard watchy. Um, and that's a decision that you've got to make. But essentially, this not as comfortable, not as light as the Fitbit, especially when you're exercising. Um, and the fitness wellness information and the activity tracking are just first rate. The app, the information it offers really make this by far the best activity tracker that Fitbit have ever made. The real question I have is that in many ways it is not a smart looking watch. So you want to go out for an evening, you want to, you know, dress up, wear a suit, go to a party, whatever it is that you want to do, you tend to feel that you want to put on a fashion watch and then you lose the ability of activity tracking because you know you're out on the dance floor you're busy running around you don't want to miss those steps and you can't simply take this watch off and put in your other wrist that looks way too geeky whereas if you've got a simple fitbit or one of the smaller fitbits you can have a watch on your one arm and your fitbit on the other and people might think you're a geek like they do with me but it doesn't look terribly bad here unfortunately it's not a you either wear it or you don't wear it. So that's another decision that you need to make. But I think if you're if you're looking for a, a new Fitbit, if you're looking for the best Fitbit that they've ever made, one with lots of potential. It's even got Fitbit Pay. Don't think that's ever coming to South Africa, but um, stranger things have happened. So you can even you know set up a wallet and uh, pay things with your Fitbit. Um, I'm not sure if it works with uh, when you travel with. Um, various undergrounds and and metros but uh, who knows there's all sorts of things coming from that space but that's not one of the reasons to get it the app store is growing slowly it's got a, a strava app for those cyclists out there who really want it to link and again you can listen to music you've got a gps built in it's got five i didn't mention this it's got between four and five day battery life which is much better than most wearables they normally give you a day at best so you can charge it every five days and um, depending on how much you use it it's also got a a, a trainer personal trainer built in again something i didn't mention it's got a personal trainer built in with a fitbit coach app which has got some really nice little workouts that you can use they work quite well it's done quite effectively on a small screen it's not ideal i prefer to use it on a smartwatch on a smartphone especially in a in a um, an environment where you can take your smartphone but if you're not you're out running or you're jumping or you can't take your smartphone with you then it works really well the only real um you know criticism i have of that is that the fitbit coach app has tons of options the problem is the good ones all the ones that you'd like to do you have to pay for so it's sort of a bit of bait and switch it's a little bit of freemium going on there they give you a couple of okay workouts free but you want the good stuff you're going to have to pay them more money and that's an additional subscription that is probably one step too far for most people because there's a ton of sports apps available online for free and uh, there's lots of information out there for free so i don't know how much people are going to pay an extra and it's not i I investigated it was something like 40 or 50 dollars a year but that's a lot of money for a an app that i don't believe is sort of the leading app maybe it'll develop over time but who knows so as it stands this is a really decent smartwatch it's an exceptional um, fitness tracker it does all the sports stuff that fitbit are known for really really well the automatic tracking works like a bomb as you set off on your run it beeps and buzzes and off it goes tracks it downloads that information to the app when you get back when you go swimming it monitors that really well it's not great for gym but you can set it um and uh, it doesn't measure motion of that sort but still it's really a top tracker a top device from um uh, fitbit and it is their first foray into smartwatches so watch the space who knows what they'll come up with next and the price is reasonable for the for the functionality and the quality that it offers except for the strap i will admit um, and generally a really decent device so if you're in the market for something like this go and have a look it's available pretty much across all the dion wires and 
all the electronic stores and many health stores across the country, the macros, I think. And uh, I think as well as um, in, um, you'll probably see it at uh, Discam. So pretty much available anywhere. Have a look at the new Ionic and see if it's what you are looking for. Now, before we... I can see G was spoke a lot about the Ionic, and I see our time is running ahead of us. So we've got a couple of minutes, and I just wanted to before our next ad break. And um, a really interesting report from Deloitte, which are known in the tech world um, as one of the leaders in terms of 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 technology and business and what's coming down the road released a really interesting port, report they called it the technology media and telecommunications prediction report um for 2018 and you can get the whole thing i'm just going to summarize a couple of key things and interesting facts uh, on this show that's pretty much all i can actually do but if you're interested in the whole report you want a really deep sort of look into the future of technology media and telecommunications over the next year and beyond go to deloitte d-e-l-o-i-t-t-e dot com forward slash prediction so it's deloitte dot com forward slash predictions and you can download the entire report a whole lot of infographics it's really well 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 worth the read it's only 80 pages should keep you going for a couple of hours and um but some amazing interesting information and predictions and things i mean they talk about augmented reality they talk about the future of the smartphone era um, what's happening with regard to machine learning chips and AI. They actually very interestingly, and I mentioned that last week, they don't talk about AI because truth be told, the current generation and even the next two or three generations of machine learning or smart chips or smart machines or smart whatever it is are not really artificial intelligence. They're more really smart, well thought out, well planned and well executed um, machine learning type algorithms they may even learn but there's no cognizance going on there there's no intelligence in truth i think unfortunate well don't know about unfortunate depends on who you talk to uh, stephen hawkins seems to feel that uh, the world of the ai is not a place that human beings want to live in but um, in essence true cogniz- cognitive machines that think for themselves that have uh, a self-awareness probably still a few uh, decades out who knows these things tend to accelerate beyond anything that you would ever imagine so we'll be back with uh, a couple of insights from the Deloitte report because really fascinating reading in terms of where they think we're going to be in the next couple of years and um, we'll be back straight after this Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose 11 to 12 p.m. only on 101.9 IFM well welcome back and as I was saying Deloitte's have released this report and there are a couple of areas that I'd love to discuss and just you know give a little insight in terms of what they're doing one of the key areas and something I've mentioned before on the show is that we are essentially moving into a world of augmented reality virtual reality the one where you step into a completely different world outside of everything or you completely immersed in in this new virtual world or old virtual world or where it, whether it's looking for a house um, in real time and getting a 360 degree view. Virtual reality certainly seems to have matured to the point where, one, it's very, very, very good. I saw some uh, demonstrations of high resolution 8K virtual reality at CES and a couple of shows prior to that. And I must say that it's certainly moved way beyond those big, clunky, fuzzy um, virtual reality headsets with, you know, massive umbilical cords connected to huge computers. The modern ones are light, um, pretty much wireless, uh, all encompassing and, and very high quality. But that has its place in the world. There will certainly be places where you need to immerse yourself in an environment where you get a full 360-degree view. When you look up, you see the sky. When you look down, you see the, the floor. When you look behind you, you see what's behind you. You're totally within that realm. But much more useful, much more useful, and something that we are definitely going to see in 2018, according to Deloitte, um, is augmented reality. In other words, some form of digital information overlaid on what is going on currently in the world now ar kit something that's built into um, the iphone um, 
there's a version of it for uh, Android, is taking this really very quickly to the next level. So what you're going to find is that when you lift your phone up and you point the camera at something, it'll be able to, in a very smart, intelligent way, figure out what's going on and give you a whole host of augmented information with relation to the reality that you are seeing. And that may be a form of glasses, it may be a form of projector, most likely over the next year to three, um, there are going to be eight, about 800 million smartphones with an OS that supports dedicated AR and sufficiently powerful hardware to able to do it in a, in a very cool and easy way. So simply animating an emoji like the iPhone 10 does, and that's another story that we'll talk about in a second, but simply animating an emoji is only one element of augmented reality. But overlaying and putting dinosaurs into a game in the real world is another. And that sort of information, in fact, an app I came across recently, what it does, you go into a museum, you take your phone, you show it a picture of the Mona Lisa. Instantly, it overlays a whole host of information about the art that it's seeing. Tell you about the artist, tell you about the environment it was created in. It'll give you some stories and history and all the information that you need to know about that particular thing. It works with 3D models like like sculptures. It works with flat paintings. It works with all sorts of interesting art. And it's that sort of thing that is going to be huge over the next um, couple of years. The other thing that... Um, Deloitte have highlighted is that the next generation of machine learning is definitely on its way. And um, call it AI, that's something you're going to hear tons and tons and tons of. But the fact is, artificial neural networks, machine learning, and all the associated hardware has definitely hit the tipping point. The processes that we are seeing, um, the Huawei Kirin 970, the, the the chip, the A10, the A11 chip in the iPhone are only the first two examples of chips that have built-in sort of co-processors, smart machine learning neural network type processors that offload tons of information from the standard processor and can chomp numbers and process numbers like there is absolutely nothing on the planet. And that allows for on-device voice translation, uh, picture recognition, you name it, all sorts of really smart functionality. And um, uh, Deloitte reckon that in three to five years, every single phone will have that processing capacity and capability. So it's really moving really quickly, and we cannot even begin to understand what that makes possible. Because if your phone is that powerful, if your device is so powerful that it can, you know, essentially recognize something and do something with that recognition and offer you some information or simply take care of a task simply because it can see what it's doing, is quite fundamentally transformative. I do believe that in many ways the combination of virtual reality augmented reality and the sheer processing power that we are getting in, in a device that can last two, three days, uh, you slip it into your pocket. It's got cameras, it's got sensors, it's got motion sensors, it's got all sorts of things, um, heat, temperature, you name it, it's got built in. There's so many things that this can do to improve our lives, change the way we work. Um, and in many ways, machine learning can really do two types of things. It can train, it can infer, it can do all sorts of interesting functionality, which again, I can't even, I can, you know, there are lots of science fiction scenarios, but the truth be told, I don't think any of us can really understand over the next two to five years, what type of functionality a really smart, powerful device like your smartphone can offer us, how it can help us, how it can do tasks and, and automate things um, going forward that are going to change. And that's one of the biggest things that um, Deloitte have highlighted in this, in this report. And as I say, I really encourage you to have a look. I mean, I can only absolutely... Um, just give you a total overview. One thing that was very cool, there's no tip they found through their research that there's no tippy, tipping point in TV viewing trends for 18 to 24-year-olds right now. So in the past five years, 
all millennials in general and trailing millennials, those that are just coming up, um, have been lured by smartphones, computers, social media, YouTube, and other short-form aggregators, subscriptions, and video-on-demand services like Netflix. And that doesn't look like it's going to change. So we talked about streaming. Um, it's the new normal. It's the way people consume their TV and more and more are going to do so. But the next generation, those guys that are going to start working in the next five years, the 18 to 24-year-olds, the young professionals, are not very, very different to the way things are now. They're going to stream. They're going to watch. They're going to play on their, their smart devices, much to the horror of some people. And they're going to just spend more and more time. Well, not much more, but pretty much more Um, It's not eating the world. It's not taking over. All the horror stories about social media distorting things doesn't seem to be the case according to Deloitte's research. So very interesting stuff there. And before we wrap the whole Deloitte thing up, the last real trend that I want to just mention, um, and I I experienced it for the first time in America now, is in-flight connectivity is taking off. For all of us who travel a lot um, and spend hours and hours on a plane, American Airlines, for example, have now got just moved to the next generation of streaming services via their their uh, planes. And what it enables, quite honestly, is that you can actually watch Netflix through in-flight Wi-Fi, and there are no more setback set or seat back screens. You must bring your own screen. But if you do, and you download an app, you can actually stream in the plane. 100, 200, 300 movies and watch them at on demand at leisure for free. And if you want premium stuff like Netflix, you can do that too for a fee. Of course, the Americans are very good at doing that. But that is definitely a trend. All, fl- all planes, um, high speed connectivity in, in, in moving vehicles is definitely going to be a, a complete explosion. Buses, trains, planes, you name it, and we'll all be streaming and watching and doing whatever it is that we want to do, either via 5G networks or 4G networks or terrestrial satellites, whatever, or satellites connecting to terrestrial things, you name it, but we're all going to be doing a whole lot more of that coming forward. So those uh, quiet flights are no more. We'll be connected. We'll be streaming. We'll be Facebooking. We'll be WhatsApping our businesses. You name it, we'll be doing all that stuff in the next little while. And that's definitely uh, a trend that Deloitte's have picked up. So as I said, go and have a look at their report. It's, it's a great report. It's got tons of insight into where we're going. And if you have the slightest interest around that, it's definitely worth a, a good solid read. As I said, only 80 pages of, of some key facts, figures, and um, research into where they've been and what they've been doing. And we'll be back straight after this. High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And I'm going to be talking about well, an app which I highly recommend everyone gets. It's called Namola, but I'll tell you a little bit about that in a few minutes. And I want to update you on something that I've had numerous emails, phone calls, WhatsApps, you name it, about. And that is the story that Apple slows your phone down so that you can rush out and buy a new phone. And as your phone gets older, it slows down. And it's an absolute fact. I've been told it's indisputable. That's what they do. And they all do it. And this is how they get you to buy a new phone. Well, the simple fact is that is not objectively true. Yes, Apple did introduce a a software in, I think, version 10.25 and moving forward into iOS 11. Um which in the event that your battery was getting old it was there was a threat of your phone shutting down and who hasn't had that over the years as your phone gets older you get to around about 30 40% in the day and then suddenly your phone switches off for no particular reason it's got 40% power and your phone just switches off and then you got to wait a few minutes you switch it back on and it seems fine for a while and then it gets to 25% it just switches off again and what apple did was a really elegant smart software fix what they said was that monitor the battery which they can do all smartphones can do and if the battery starts struggling and the processor demands an x amount of power from the battery and the battery is unable to deliver that power within a reasonable or within the specified time for the for the whole phone to operate the way it should what the software does is slow the processor down so it doesn't overload the battery and shut your phone down 
or it doesn't overload the battery and overheat the battery, or whatever the case may be. And all lithium-ion batteries in all phones have exactly the same behavior. The more you use them, after a year or so, they tend to come a little they lose their ability to hold charge. They lose their ability to deliver peak current to the processor. And you do get dodgy behavior like phone shutting down, battery life you know, becoming far less. And the software patch that they did was simply to stop that behavior. And the way they did that was to limit the speed of the processor and slow the phone down. And in many cases, it was minor and it was transient. So it only happened under certain circumstances when you were watching a video or perhaps and then it didn't matter or when you were trying to play a game there were instances when it did it as the battery got worse and worse obviously the slowing down got worse and worse and the phone became pretty unusable the solution brand new fresh battery everything went back to normal well apple have launched a beta which interestingly i've downloaded on my iphone um, of 11.3 which i will report allows you to go into the battery setting and turn that functionality off. So if you're not prepared to have your phone slow down at all, um, and you're prepared to accept that every now and then it's just going to shut down if your battery's not great, um, you can switch off that functionality, which is something they should have done right from the start, and it would have saved them a whole lot of embarrassment and, and whatnot. But it's now it won't be available yet. 11.3 is only in beta. First beta was launched yesterday, and that means probably in about two months, they say in the spring the European and American Spring, which is our autumn, they will launch 11.3 with that ability. And it'll also show you um, all the quality of your battery. The, 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 gr- the best part right now, both in South Africa and globally, is that you can take your iPhone 5, 6 in, no questions asked, and for in the region of $25 American, 250 Rand South African to 300 Rand South African, depending, um, you can have your battery replaced free of charge under warranty by Apple. And Apple have also announced one other thing, which is really interesting. The local um, Apple distributor is now offering genuine authorized Apple screen replacements to any phone. They didn't used to, and now they do. So you can take your phone in and for a very similar price get an authorized uh, uh, Apple phone you know, screen replaced. So batteries, screens, they really are doing their best to keep you in the Apple world. And as I said, the last thing that I really want to talk about before I get chased out of the studio is an app called Nimola. Now, Nimola, go to nimola.co.za, is a security app. Every kid who has a smartphone should have it on there. Every person who has a smartphone should have it on there. It is linked to all the police. Um, All you have to do is hit one button and you'll send out an alert and they will send support to wherever you are. The best thing, having a smartphone, the Nomola app will report your location, it'll report the time, it'll report everything that it knows at that point. And apparently from the people that I've spoken to, um, it's supported by Dial Direct and uh, it definitely is worth having. It's free of charge. No hassle, and it's definitely worth it. So download the Namola, N-A-M-O-L-A app on your iPhone or your Android phone right now and register. It needs your phone number, needs your details, and uh, it's an absolute no-brainer. may well prove to be a fantastic thing going forward. And on that note, I'm going to call it a day. Too much information, too many gadgets, too much tech for for one Thursday uh, morning. Until next week, where we can do this all again. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM.